0: Six here in a moment. Matthew chapter six. Making sure I didn't miss any announcements, anything I'm supposed to say. Am I good? All right. Matthew chapter six. We're talking about guardrails now. Remember, everybody knows what a guardrail is, right? Nobody knows what a guardrail is. Okay, well we're in trouble. This morning, as I was driving into church this morning, I noticed that that on the guardrail down 270 from Urbana, there were a couple of places where people, you could tell that they had swerved, you know, for some reason, and they had run into the guardrail, but there was no other, the guardrail had a little damage and there were no cars there, and who knows when it was. But those guardrails protected those people from going off into the ditch. There's a couple of ditches, you know, and high spots there. And so all of us would agree that guardrails are a good thing. Amen? Okay? Now, so so the definition is, let's, let's go to the next slide, um, Hit the next slide. Merriam's Webster's Dictionary says, A, guard, a, guarding, a railing guarding usually you against danger, especially a barrier placed along the edge of a highway at dangerous points. So everyone agrees that guardrails are important, right? So in the same sense, in, in, a, in a physical matter, a spiritual matter, a, a, a relational matter, financial matter, a partnership matter, uh, all those things, a financial matter, we need guardrails. Because otherwise, if, if we don't have guardrails, we don't have a guide, we don't have a road map, we will go off in the ditch, Right? so let's hit the next slide so Andy Stanley talks about this and he says we're, we're doing this series a, a guardrail is a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience so that what you do is in your own life you set up guardrails Say these are, these are areas that I'm going to stay away from because I know that if I get over in this area I will go off and, and maybe I can drive there for a short time but if I'm not careful if I'm if not not watch it, I'm going to fall off into a ditch or over a bridge or into a river or an embankment or I'm going to hit oncoming traffic on the other side would you agree with that? And so so God is saying, through His Word and through you having just connection with God, God wants to help you set up guardrails. Now, if you haven't been here, you're new today, we welcome you. And uh, online we have a few of the messages. We're on the fourth message. I apologize, the first message is not online. We're trying to get that going. We're working on that. But, But last week I talked about sex. Okay, we talked about having guardrails in sex and relationships. So if you missed that, you can go online and get it. Okay, I, I was told it was a good message and people wanted to hear that, so you can go online. But today I'm going to talk about the consumption assumption. Now, you see again, culture, they bait us, they bait us to the edge, uh, 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 right? They bait us, you can do this, you can do this, and they bait us and once we fall off the edge, they condemn us and they tell us how bad we are. I can't believe you did that. You're a, you call yourself a Christian, that's a shame that you did something like that. And so so I want to encourage you through the Bible and and through you hearing from the Lord is setting up some guardrails. And this morning I'm going to talk about another topic that people don't like to talk about it, guess what it is? I actually have a couple dollars here. No one likes to talk about this in church. But you talk about it every day, don't you? Every time you turn on the TV, what do they want from you? What does the government want from you? What does your kids want from you? What does the restaurant want from you? What does the church want from you? No. We want you to be, have a lot of this so you can be a good steward of it. And so the problem is, and, and, and I, please don't, beset, don't send me anonymous emails, don't send me hate mails, or if you're upset, uh, because whenever we talk about money in the church, people get upset about it. But you talk about money. Oh, I'm going to have all the money in the world. I'm, I'm saving. And, and the boss talks about it. And the government talks about it. The TV talks about it. But when we come to church, it's like, we're not supposed to talk about money. See, I told you, I came to church and all they, they, all they care about is my money. No, we don't care about your money. We care about you. And we care that money doesn't become your God and destroy you. And in, in, in Kelsey's uh, uh, spoken word, he talked about it. people are just chasing after money. And you see their lives are empty. They might have lots of money. They might have a little money. They might have no money, but they're chasing after something that doesn't bring happiness. You're like, "Well, I'll try. Give me a million dollars and I'll give it a try." That's fine, but make sure you tie it. Just a joke, but kind of serious. You can okay. Some of you have already tuned me out because I said money in church, right? I've already I've already talked about. So some of you just have put me off. You're thinking about the Olympics. You're thinking about the Euro Cup today. And by the way, I'm hoping Spain wins. Um, Gloria Dios. Alright, but I want to talk about a topic that's talked about a lot in the Bible. Did you know that Jesus, and in the Bible, talks about giving over 2,000 times? Talks about finances and giving and possessions over 2,000 times in the Bible. More than any topic. Why is that? Because God knew that if we're not careful and we don't have guardrails, we would become uh, connected to things. And those things would begin to control our lives. Did you know that? God wants you to have things, but He doesn't want those things to have you. Amen? And so this morning, here we go, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this, another disregarded topic of the Bible. Letter A, counselors and pastors, a lot of times when people go to counselors, and they talk, or sometimes pastors, the issue a lot is, guess what? Sex and money. Not always, I'm mean, as a pastor, people come to me with issues, and and a lot of times it's not always, but... But I was thinking through this this week that that problem, and I don't, I can't give you a number, but a lot of times when people come to me, not always, but but the higher percentage is usually they want to talk about two things: they're having issues in their life because of sex or money. Not always, but oftentimes on the higher o- part, it's sex and money. And you go to counselors. In fact, they say w- w- in marriages, the top two problems are guess what? Sex and money. Okay. And so sometimes we're like, well, we can't talk about that. But the problem is if we don't talk about that. We're going to keep having problems about it. If we don't expose it to the light and say, God made sex and God gives us money, but let's just be good stewards of both. Amen? Let's enjoy it in his context. Let's have some good guardrails. So, so this morning, let's just talk about this. The, these two topics are the ones that, that the world and you and I have, we have issues with, we have troubles with. And the Bible gives us good and clear guardrails to help us. And culture just totally ignores God's guardrails in these two areas. And they say, see, I come to church and the church just wants your money. They want your money. No, we just want you to be free of the love of money. There's nothing wrong with money. The Bible doesn't, in fact, it doesn't say you can't have money. It just says the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say you can't have money. So, so we just want you to be free, amen? Isn't that a loving God? So the, so the second part of this letter B is God's chief competition for your heart is money and possessions. The Bible talks a lot about money, possessions, because He knew that it would own us, it would control us. And I'm going to be honest with you. There are times, every month, when I have to write out my check for my house payment, my heart drops, thinking, "My goodness, I pay 150% more than I did for my house in Salt Lake City because of the cost of living here." I still can't get used to it. I know someone would be like, "Just, just suck it up, stand, Quit whining. It's just part of life around here." I know that. But, but it just, so, so sometimes that, that monster uh, possessions and, and things wants to take my joy. It wants to take your joy. And God says, I want to help you with some guardrails. I want to help you so that it doesn't take your joy, that instead of you being a slave to money, money is yours to be used for your glory. Amen? For God's glory. Amen? Are you with me? No? Alright, let me find another sermon just to make you happy. Hold on, let me find something here. I'm just kidding, I'm not. I'm going to give you the Word of God because the Word of God is helpful. Amen? So let's talk about this. Here's the reason why money is a possession, because it has nothing to do with money, but it has with money trying to control you. Right? I mean, every day, what do you talk about at work? Besides sports. I mean, what does your business exist for? Hello? Your business exists to make money, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is we're so, we're so pumped by that by the world by the media by our company by our own lives that what happens is our devotion becomes to this little guy named George or, or the other people that you don't know about In fact, it even still says on this Does it still say this? In God we trust? Is it? Is it? Thank you it's, it's still on there In God we trust But a lot of times some of us take that and we mark that out In George I trust In, in Abraham Lincoln I trust In whoever I trust And you see, God knew that this thing, if we're not careful, would control our lives. And He says, I give you that stuff not to control you, but that you will be free. Free to live and and make it work for you. Amen? And so if you listen this morning, we're going to have some guardrails so that you can stop serving money and money can start serving you. Are you good with that? I need help in that area as well. I mean, we need help in this area. But you see, God wants your devotion. And the cheap competition for your devotion is this. He knew that. He knew that, not just in the American society, but every culture, every group of people since the beginning of time, we have had, had an obsession with things, with, with possessions. There's nothing wrong with those, but God doesn't want those things to own you. Amen? And so we have this internal struggle It says, do I surrender myself and my, my dependence on God, or do I place my trust in my money and my possessions? So the third thing, here's what Jesus talks about money. Let her see. Here's what Jesus talks about money. Okay? What does Jesus say about money? Well, check this out. Matthew six twenty four. If you're there in Matthew chapter six, put your marker there. We're going to kind of stay there for the most of the time. We're going to I I'll give you some other scriptures. But Matthew six twenty four says this No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now you might say, Well, well, I don't have a master. We're Americans. In fact, we're celebrating the independence. So we don't have other gods. Oh yes, we do. We have lots of other gods. And God, in His infinite wisdom, not just the Americans but all people, He knew that we would struggle with money. He knew that it would it would try money and the love of money would try to control our lives. And God says it's okay to have that stuff, but just don't you can't serve it because you can't serve God and money. Amen. This is what Jesus said. He knew that. And and there's a tension in every one of us that says, uh, do I trust God or do I trust in in this little piece of paper Or, or many of these little pieces of paper? But because God loves us, He gives us the truth. He gives us the ability to say, hey, that thing doesn't have to control my life. I'm going to set some guardrails up. Are you ready? God wants to be your master, not this little thing. Or the pursuit of the soul. And there's nothing wrong with it working hard. Nothing wrong with saving it. Nothing wrong with it enjoying it. And absolutely nothing wrong with that stuff. Just don't let it control you. Amen? So here we go. Let's talk about number two. The two ditches of possessions. you doing alright? You doing okay? The two ditches of possessions. The first is this. Is, is consuming and hoarding. Okay, so, so on, the, on, the, on the road of life and, and in your financial matters, there are two ditches on either side of the road. One is consumption and one is, is hoarding. Okay, so consuming and hoarding. So, so yes, we all consume. I, I, love, I love to be able to go to Chipotle. And I love to eat. I love every once in a while to go to Krispy Kreme Donut and have a donut. okay. I love that. I love going to the store and buying things that I need sometimes. Or sometimes things. there's nothing wrong with that. You see, so every one of us is a consumer. But, but in, the, in, this, in, the, in these extremes, the consuming, we have these two ditches. A consumer thinks everything they get is for their own consumption. A consumer thinks everything they get in their lives, every dollar, every gift, is for their own consumption. So all the dollars that come, come their way turns into things into their house. It turns into a car. It turns into a meal. It turns into a new outfit. It turns into a new movie. It turns into a weekend trip. Uh, The list can go on. Now there's nothing wrong with those things. But the problem is, is a consumer spends every penny on those things and does not save for the future. And they're living on, they're living paycheck to paycheck because they like things. And I love things. I, I love going to Home Depot. I love going to Lowe's. Man, I love those places. I love going to Best Buy. I love options. Man, I I love all that stuff. But if you're a consumer and you begin to fall into the trap of the world, you're going to spend every dollar you have and you're not going to have money for your future, right? And then what happens is when you get caught up into this consuming lifestyle, it, it eventually consumes your appetite so much that you begin to live beyond your means. And then what happens is then you begin to have consumer debt. And we have a great class which we'll show offer later, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, to help you get out of debt. And God can help you. Now the other extreme to consuming is hoarding. Okay, now how many of you have seen those, those hoarding shows? You talk, ever seen those? How many, no, don't, I'm a hoarder. Don't don't admit that. Okay, you know, and so they say, they say there's a, a sickness, there's a mental illness for people that hoard. Right? It is. Okay, let me talk about this. Now hoarder is this, listen to this. The other side of the of the ditch from the consumer is the hoarder. The hoarder says, what if I don't have enough? What if the economy fails? What if I lose my job? What if I get sick? What if I can't retire? What if, what if, what if? Now you see a lot of times, many times, a hoarder will marry a consumer. (laughs) When you're young, because opposites attract. Now, the older you get, the less likely you'll marry that. So but but as you're younger, so what happens in marriage? What do we call? We don't call them hoarders and consumers. What do we call them? Spenders? And savers. Come on, right? So, so typically a, a, a spender and a saver get married. Isn't that God awesome? He's like, I've got to help these people out. Because they're going to kill each other. They're going to destroy themselves. So, 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 the, so the hoarder, the saver says, well, God saves. And so I'm kind of godly because I save. Right? And my spouse, well, my spouse is a consumer, so we'll just pray for them. But you see, let me talk about the letter C is both... Consumers and hoarders have problems. Both have common problems. The first first is don't go to the next one yet is both are self-centered what? Yes, a consumer is it's all for me it's all for me more and more more I'm going to spend it I got to go I got more I mean some of us how many of you have kids and I have I have one kid that's a, that's a spender and I have one kid that's a saver and the, the spender as soon as that person that kid gets the money, what is it? We gotta go. We gotta go. I, I gotta, I, come, come, come. We gotta, come, come, come on. I can't hit. We gotta spend. We gotta spend. The other one's like she. She puts it away and spends it. And I, I was surprised the other day because she. Well, a couple weeks ago, she had a pretty good amount saved up. I was like, wow, that's awesome. And there's nothing wrong with either one of those being spenders or savers. But what happens is when they control your life. You become self-centered because because then the the savior is I gotta save I gotta save what about this I I, I you know the, the end of the world could happen I gotta just hoard everything I gotta put everything away because you just never know what's gonna happen and so what happens is you become what self-centered right the next problem both of these have is both leave you living as if there is no God. You live as if there's no God. I gotta spend it because tomorrow I may not have it. And then this one, I gotta save it because tomorrow we may not have it. And, 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 and you never know what's gonna happen because our, our economy could fail. You know, the, these aliens could take over, the Republicans could take over again, or the Democrats could keep messing things up. You know, so we go through all this, Oh, 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 what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? There, there was like, just, come on, spin it, let's spin it, let's spin it, spin it, spin it, right? Come on, just give it to me, I'll spin it, we'll take care of it. Come on, come on, come on, right? And so they have a problem. They live as if there is no God when they live in that lifestyle. The third one, I know you're not going to like this, but both are fueled by greed. Both are fueled by greed. You see, no one confesses their greed. I've never had anyone say, Pastor, Stan, would you pray for me? I'm greedy. I've never had... In fact, you can't look in the mirror and say, Oh, yeah, I see some greed coming in. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you might say, Well, I see some hair going away or some gray coming in or something like that. But I've never... You can't do that, right? But you see, this is what number four. Greed is... Listen to this. Number four, greed is the assumption... That all is for your consumption. Greed is, do I have it? It's going to come up in a second. Number four is greed is the assumption that all is for your consumption. Leave it right there. You can be poor and you can be greedy. You can be rich and you can be greedy. You can be in the middle and you can still be greedy, right? You see, somehow the world has told us all rich people are greedy. That's a lie. They're not all greedy. There are some that are greedy, but they're not all greedy. And So we just, well, all poor people, they don't have money, they're not greedy. I've met some pretty greedy poor people too. I've met greedy on all sides and everywhere. I've, I've met greedy Republicans. I've met greedy Democrats. I've met greedy communists. I've met greedy atheists. I've met people. It's a human condition that affects all of us if we're not careful. And so we have to be careful, amen? And so here's what happens. Greed is, if anything comes for me, it's for my consumption. Now for the consumer... It's for my consumption now. And for the hoarder, it's for my consumption later. I'm going to save, I'm going to save, I'm going to save, I'm going to save. Okay? Number five, greed keeps God out of our lives. Greed keeps God out of our lives. You can put that up. Greed keeps God out of our lives. And So in other words, it says, if finances and stuff are your chief pursuit, it leaves God out of your picture. If you have always going to have more money so you can spend more money, then God is out of your picture. If you're all you're concerned about saving because you never know what's going to happen and you have got to be ready for everything, you've forgotten about who's your provider. Amen. Come on, Amen. Am I going to am I going to have more? And am I am I able to, to take care of my family? You know this. What if? What if? What if? What if? You see, if your chief concern and if your ultimate dependence is on finances and stuff. That means you're fueled by greed. I'm not being rude to you. I'm just telling you what the Bible would guide us in. And if you're fueled by greed, that means there's no room in your life for God. Because God says you can't serve money and me, right? He said that. You see, the problem is, all of us have had issues, right? Anyone had financial issues in their life once, twice, a couple times? Who is the first person you go to when you have financial issues? God, that's right, not your mama, not your dad. I mean, some of you do, but, but you get on your knees. Oh, God. Oh, God, help me. And he's like, you didn't need me a little while ago. Remember that? You didn't want me. But because God is gracious, he says, I'm going to help you out. But you've got to get control of that thing. Because that greed is, is destroying our relationship. You see, every one of us agree, when we have financial issues and they're bigger than us, we go to God. And the problem is, he's our backup plan. God, you just sit. You stay. And when I need you, I'll call. Sit. You stay there. But when I need you, when I'm short of these, I'm going to call on you. Don't you worry. But you stay. Stay. We don't treat God like that, right? And God says, I don't want to be your backup plan. I want to be your game plan for life. Amen? Come on, right? God doesn't want to be your backup plan. God wants to be your plan for life. So number six is God doesn't want to help you. What? God doesn't want to help you, but He wants to be the master of your life. He doesn't want to help you out when you're in trouble. He wants to be there for you every step of your way. Isn't that awesome? I'd rather have God with me every step of my way than when I call Him because I made a mess. And we do that. I make mistakes. I make mistakes. I do things foolish sometimes. But if you have God in your life and you say, God, you're, control. you're the master of my life and I don't want stuff to be your chief, my chief competitor for my heart for you god doesn't want to be your backup plan he wants to be your master amen and for you to break the power of greed you must give god first and foremost everything in your life you say i'm not going to be greedy i need god's help i don't want to consume everything i don't want to hoard everything i want god to help me to live a a full life amen are you doing good so let's talk about some some guardrails for money and possessions okay and now again, as, as my job as a pastor is not just to preach about Jesus and happiness and you having a good life. I do that. But you see, I think as a pastor, I think I fail sometimes in preaching about this area. Because, you know, I don't like talking about it, to be honest with you, I don't. Because I, I just think, you know, I hope, hope you love Jesus and hope that you tithe, the hope that you give. I, I just hope that's because you love Jesus. And so I don't talk about it that often. Like, yeah, you're talking about it right now. And so the leadership team and I agree that we should, I should talk about this at least twice a year, maybe more. Because it's a thing that you and I have to deal with. Amen? So, so as your pastor, I'm going to stand before God and if I don't preach about possessions and money, I'm going to be in trouble. So I fear God more than I fear you. Okay? Always, no matter what. But I want you to live a full life. I want you to be blessed. I want you to enjoy what God has given you. And I don't want you struggling depending on stuff. I want you to be depending on God. Amen? So, so one of the keys, letter A, one of the key to break the power of greed is to allow God to rule your life. You've just got to say, pull out your wallet, pull out your checkbook, pull out your finances, pull out your retirement, your 401s, and all that other stuff, that money you have stuffed under the envelope. You just got to pull it out and say, God, this belongs to you. It's always been yours. God, let me just be a good steward of it. Amen? Come on, you have to do that. Say, this is not mine, Lord. This is yours. Let me be a good steward of it because you own it anyway. Okay? So you've got to say, this is, this is, a, this, it's not a, it's not a, so much a decision as much as it is a habit. It's kind of both. It's a decision. But it's also a habit you have to get into. You have to say, God, you own my life. In fact, Jesus said this. He said in Matthew 6, 21. We're still in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. People can tell where your heart is. By where your treasure is. If it's money and possessions, they can tell. If it's a sports team, if it's a person, if it's God, if it's, if it's a title, if it's, if it's your hair, whatever, your shoes, people can tell, right? And if we can give our checkbooks... And say, God, this belongs to you. He can have our heart. And if He can have your heart, He can bless your checkbook. If He can have your heart, He can bless your life. Amen? This is good preaching. It is. So the question for us is, who owns my heart? God or money? Who owns my heart? So here we go. Letter B, the next key. The next key is, write this down. Give, save, and live. Here here are some guardrails for you. Give, save, and live. Okay? Give, save, and live. Okay? Okay? It's so simple. Just begin to put this in a habit. In other words, every time you get paid, give 10% to God, try to put 10% away for, for savings or emergencies, and then live on the rest. Isn't that awesome? 10% to God, 10% to your, your, your war fund, your whatever, your retirement, whatever, and then 80% you live on. Isn't that awesome? No, I need every penny. God can help us. Give. Save and live. God only wants 10%. He asks you to give 10%. And when you tithe, you're saying, God, you own my life. And I can live on, on 80% or, or 90%. It's not a big deal. And God, I'm, I'm breaking the rule of money in my life and I'm living with open hands that you're in control of my life and you'll always take care of me. Amen? Okay? So let me, cha- let me change the word. So let her see, or let me change the title of that. Or, or the give, save and live can also be give... Hoard and consume. Does that make you feel better? So it's the same thing. Give, hoard. So if you're a hoarder, you can still hoard. Hoard 10%. Okay? If you're a consumer, you can still live on percent but just t- give God 10% and put away 10%. Amen? Come on now. You can do this. Try. Say God. Because you see, if you're a hoarder, you already say, well, what if I get sick? What if the economy fails? What if, what if? If you get sick or you lose your job, you're going to call on God anyway, right? So don't worry about it. Amen? Well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor Stan. I have to do it all the time, like you. And God has always come through for us. Every time. Amen? So letter D is make this a habit. Make it a habit. I know it's hard. I know that this, this area is hard because it's an expensive area. But try. I mean, we, we try with our girls. We try to say, whenever you get money from us or family or friends or you find $5 or whatever, we say, give 10% to God. Give 10% to God. Not because the church needs it, but because we just want them to be free all their lives. Because we don't want money to ruin their lives. Amen? We don't want them to be concerned about that. Andy Stanley, in fact, from the sermon service, he, he gives his kids three jars. One is, one is God. He puts, it's, it's giving, saving, and living he tells them, put 10% in the giving, give 10% to your saving, and live on the rest. So he wants to teach his kids that, because he says he knows what will happen is if they get caught in the world trap, they will be consumed by it. Amen? And you see, the reason I teach my kids is this: I want my kids to trust in God and not in money and possessions, because money sometimes disappears, doesn't it? Possessions break down. They, They crack. They wear out, don't they? But God never gives up. Amen? God never goes away. You can't you can't outgive God. You can't outcall on God. You can, God can always take care of your needs when you trust in Him with your whole heart. Amen? Look what the world, and look at the troubles we have with our world because of the love of money. Right? We're in a global economy crisis. Why? Because mankind is greedy. We have an issue. We have an obsession with money. This principle, letter E, could change the world. Listen to this. And again, I'm not trying to slam your political views and all that. But, but just if, if, if in a biblical sense, if, if the politicians practice giving, saving, and spending, our economy would be different. And I blame the Republicans and Democrats both. And Independents. If the whole world, this is, and that's become Christian, but if the whole world, if all the population practiced biblical financial principles for six months, we would have excess, surplus. We would be able to feed every hungry person in the world. If we practice biblical giving, saving, and living. Amen? if, If people just practice gospel principles, life would be better. If our government, if governments of the world would practice give, save, and live, their country would be better off. Amen? So why not us practice it, right? Let us be the first to do it. So letter F, this principle can set you free. I know the economy is fragile right now. I know that some of us are struggling. The Nelson household, we've been besieged by medical bills and dental bills and we've been cutting back and we've been saying, we've been saying oh God, help us and save us. And some of you might have seen that we drove, we drove to church in a Volvo. <gasps> oh my goodness, we're paying our pastor too much. Let me just tell you, it's a 2006 Volvo. Okay, It's a year older than our last car and, it's, and actually we, we, we save now $100 on our monthly payment. Because we're just trying to be good stewards. We want, to, we want to be good stewards with everything God gives us. And you so say, I know it's tight right now. I know there's financial issues. But on the other hand, there's really not for some of us. But I want to, I want to, say, I want to encourage you to, to do this. Give, save, live. You see, because God doesn't want your money. He just wants your heart. And not only does He want your heart, He just wants you to be free of the love of money. Nothing wrong with money. Nothing wrong with having a retirement. Nothing wrong with a nice car. Nothing wrong with having a job. Nothing wrong with having food. Nothing wrong with weekend trips. Nothing wrong with nice purses and shoes and all that stuff. But God just doesn't want that stuff to own your life. Amen? He wants you free. So He's just saying, hey, here's some guardrails to help you out. Set up some guardrails. These principles, these biblical principles, can free you from pain, heartache, and regret if we just begin to trust in God. Amen? Amen? Are you doing okay? Let me go on the last part. Number four: guardrails from Jesus. Guardrails from Jesus. Matthew six thirty-one through thirty-three. So this is what Jesus is saying. Here's this will help you out. He's saying I want to help you out. Here's some guardrails. Let, number thirty-one. So do not worry, saying What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans were after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Excuse me, and all these things will be given to you as well. So letter A, listen to what Jesus is saying. Letter A, do not worry. What are we going to eat? Where are we going to live?
1: How are we going to pay my bills? I
0: you know what sometimes my spirit gets like that. I say, wait a minute, God has always provided for me. All my life. I mean, as you can tell, I mean I'm thinner now, but I still I love to eat, man. I still put down a lot of food. It's just I eat better food now than I did. And I, I, can I just conf- I've never gone hungry because of a lack of food. I've, I've gone hungry because maybe i said I'm fasting, I'm going to set myself aside for God, but I've never missed a meal because I didn't have food, because God's always provided. And yes, there's been a few times I've paid some bills late, but God has always provided for me. And I could talk to you about how Donison talked about in that video, where there were times in college when I had zero dollars, and I had no, no other money coming in, and I had people knocking on my door, stand here, some groceries. God just put put in my heart. When I would walk into work, I was selling furniture once, and it it was a hard thing to do. And I was like, God, I need some money for gas. I can't get back to class before. And and I get to work, and someone says, Hey, stand. There's an envelope in your uh, box. I go, and there's cash for gas. I'm like, Jesus, you're so awesome. God always takes care of His people, amen. So don't worry. But the world is going to put it on you. The pressure of this this world. So, so the pagans were after that. Let me read the scripture. Go back, Matthew six twenty-five through thirty. Listen to this. Listen to this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear? Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Isn't that awesome? God says, I know that you need that stuff. Then verse 28, and he says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will He not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. God will take care of you. Isn't that awesome? God doesn't want you to serve money. He wants you to serve Him. He wants money to... to To use so that you don't serve money, but money serves you. Isn't that awesome? What am I going to eat? How am I going to live? How am I going to put my kids to college? How are we? What are we? What if? Here's what God says. It's hard. I know. Do not worry. Today, this morning, some of you are worrying. Don't. I know it's hard. Because here's what Philippians says. And my God will meet all your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. Come on, say that with me. And my God will meet all your needs according to His riches, glorious riches, in Christ Jesus. So God wants to meet your needs. He doesn't want you laying in bed at night, sweating and worrying about money. He he doesn't want you to worry about that. He doesn't want money to steal your joy and your peace. He wants you to have faith in Him. You see, a lot of our tensions in life are from money and serving money. God wants us free of that. Amen? So then let it be, here's what Jesus says. He says, Okay, don't worry. And then he says, let it be, don't live like the pagans. Don't live like the pagans. He says if you're consumed about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, you're living like the pagans. The pagans live as if there is no God. And if your life totally revolves around your stuff and you're getting it, then you're living like a pagan, what Jesus is saying. And he says, you're living as if God would never or could never intervene in your life. You're living as if God doesn't care about your life. You're living as if God doesn't even know you exist. And that's so far from the truth. Because see, it says here, Jesus said, listen to the promises. I will clothe you. I will feed you. Why do you worry about that? Amen? Come on, amen? He says, I will take care of you. Why are you worried about those things? Jesus says, don't live like the pagans. Trust in God. Then the the second thing, letter C, third thing, I'm sorry, is your Heavenly Father knows. Your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows that you need what you have to pay for. He knows you about your medical bills. He knows about your taxes. He knows about that stuff. We're all saying, "Well, well, does God know that my kids have to go to college? Does God know that I have this outstanding bill? Does God know about this? He knows about everything. And what you and I need to do, and I struggle with this too still sometimes, is I need to, we need to bring it before God. I say, God, you know about this. And I'm just asking that you provide for me to take care of this through you. Amen? You'll take care of this, God. You will bless this. Lord, you will take care of this. You'll watch over my family. You'll watch over my health. You'll watch over my, my, my family, my country, this world. You're saying, well, what if, what if God didn't care? What if He didn't care? He does care. He does hear. He does know. He will provide. My God shall supply all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Amen? God will take care of you. Then you'll have real peace. You'll have real joy. But He says, here's what you need to do. Here's another guardrail. You need to seek first. But seek first the Kingdom of God. Seek first His righteousness. In order for you to break the power of stuff, in order for you to break the power of money, you must put something else first in your life. In other words, for you to break the power of the world system, you've got to say, you know what, God is my provider. Amen? God is my provider. Not the government, not my boss, not my company, not money. God is my provider. Now, He provides through the government, through my company, through my boss or whatever, or through my customers. God provides all that, but that's Him. You've got to say, I trust in You. Amen? And you've got to say, God, I want to seek Your will. I want to seek Your purpose. I want to seek Your righteousness or His right ways. Amen? Amen? And listen to the promise. He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and all these righteousness. And then it says what? And what? And all, not some. God didn't say, Well, I'm just going to take care of some. He says, And all these things will what? Be given to you. Wow! Isn't that awesome? Well, I don't trust it. You need to let God take care of it. You need to allow God to work in it. If we put God first... And his kingdom first. God will always take care of you. Amen? Do you see the promise? God knows what you need. God has a promise. I will take care of your needs. In fact, sometimes God even gives you more than your needs, and He gives you wants. Because He's a loving God. He takes care of those things. Give, save, and live on the rest. Give, save, and live on the rest. Many of us are going to discover. Life will be a, a different thing if we start trying to live by this principle. And many of us have discovered this when the, when the bottom has fallen out, we've gone to God and we've begun to reorder our lives. There's a couple more questions I want to talk about before I let you go. So the first thing is, what's your next step? What's your next step? Do I have that or not? Yeah, what's your next step? What is your next step? If, if if you need guardrails, if if maybe you're not a giver, maybe you're a tipper. Because you see, God doesn't want you to be a tipper. He wants to be a tither. Tither is ten percent. This Bible is very clear in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Ten percent of what God gives you, you're supposed to give back to your local church. It's it's just in the Bible. Okay, I'm not here to I you know I don't I don't need money uh, because I'm greedy for money. I need money to pay my bills. And I don't I'm just to allay you fears. I don't go down after church while they're counting money. I don't take a I don't take a a paper bag and I don't like lose. Grab all the loose change and put it in my bag and I run out to the car. I don't do that. In fact, I try to stay away from them, right? People that you count? I don't even I don't even want to know I don't even want to know who gives. I want I want you to give. I don't even know who gives and how much he gives because I don't want my heart to be there. Because I care about you. And so what I'm asking though, the next question is, what's my next step? If you're not a giver, start giving. You see, because God's not a, a band aid, He's not just a fix it, He wants to be your life, amen. And He will give you a, a, a new perspective. I challenge you, stop tipping God and start tithing. Well, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. 10%. I know, well, I, I make a lot of money now, it's harder. You know, if you can't tithe with $10, you're definitely going to have a hard time tithing with $10,000. Okay, you do the math. If you have $10, a dollar of it belongs to God. If you have $10,000, 1000 of that goes to God. And I know what happens is when people start getting more money, it's harder to part with it. You got to say, you know what? From the beginning, however I get, however much I get, ten percent goes to God and goes to the local church. Okay? And here's what God says, because God will bless obedience. Malachi three, Malachi three eight through twelve. Do I have it? Yes, I do. This is what God says: Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how? How do we rob you in tithes and offerings? You are under curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me. Check out, check out what God says. Test me in this, and the Lord says the Lord Almighty, and see I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops. The vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. God says, test me. Trust me. I will take care of that. I will pour open the storerooms of heaven and I will take care of you if you start tithing. Amen. So what, what could happen at Rockville Assembly of God? Do I have that question? Do I have I don't know. What could happen at Rockville Assembly of God? Let, let me just talk to you as your pastor foremost, because I love you. I don't love your money. This stuff's just paper. I don't care. I mean, yeah, I need it to live, and you need it to live, But but God is my provider. God is your provider. But check this out. If every one of us in this church obeyed God in our giving, can you imagine what this church could do? Pastor Stan would stop bugging you. Hey, we need help with our breakthrough. Hey, can you give to missions? Hey, can you help us send Kelsey? I mean, can you imagine if everyone tithed? Come on, if everyone in their church tithe, I wouldn't bug you half the time. We could change the world. We could help more poor people. We could help more missions. We could do more for God. We could fix the building up. We could bless your family. We could help your kids. We could help you more if the whole church began to tithe. Amen? Imagine what we could do in our community. I would love for us to say to the police department or to the local school, hey, because I know you guys got budget cuts, but our church is going to pay for those books. We're going to pay for that assistant for a year. We're going to buy those vests for, those, for the police officer. or We're going to buy that breathing apparatus for the fire department. Or, hey, homeless mission, we're going to fund you for a whole year. Wouldn't that be awesome? No. Yes, it would be if if the church began to become the agent of change if we began to obey God with His tithes. And Pastor Stan wouldn't have to always preach these sermons. Because you would just be obedient and we could change the world. People say, wow, I want to go see what kind of God these people serve. Can you imagine? Come on, God can do that. Would you stand with me this morning? It's not about money. But it's about an undivided attention of your heart to serve God. And so the conclusion is, do you trust God or do you trust your stuff? You see, this morning, God doesn't want to compete with your stuff. He wants your heart. And there's nothing wrong with you having stuff, but He just doesn't want the stuff to own you. He wants to own your heart. Amen? So this morning, I'm just going to pray over your life. And I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar. But I just want to pray over your life. Would you just close your eyes and would you just bow your heads for a moment? And I, had, I do have to pray this prayer and ask this prayer that maybe some of you have never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you say, you know what, I've never, I want to accept this Jesus who is my life. You've been singing about Him and how He gives you liberty and peace, but I want to give my life to Jesus. And so with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, you've never done this before, and you say, you know what, Pastor Stan, God is drawing me and I know I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life and I want to do this for the first time. Would you just quickly raise your hand and say, I'm doing this for the first time. I'm making Jesus the Lord of my life. Okay, that's good that's good no one needs to be saved but here's the next thing now with your eyes closed your eyes closed your heads bowed I'm going to pray a couple prayers in fact I'm going to put my eyes down I'm going to close my eyes I'm not going to look around but I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray with you because I don't want to know I just want to know that God's going to take you so my eyes are closed everyone's eyes closed everyone's heads down please don't look around but if you're saying God I need help to break materials in my life eyes closed heads down Quickly raise your hand. Say, I need help. Hands up and hands down. I'm not looking. No one looking. Hands up and down. I need help to break materialism for my life. Hands up and down. Okay, hands down. Let me pray. Father, for my friends that raise their hands. For us in this room, that raise your hands, say, we need help to break materialism. Would you, God, help us to be broken from this materialism?